Hello, and welcome to the Equus Film and Arts Fest podcast, the only program for horse lovers who have a fondness for horses in film, art, and literature. Each week, we will have interesting conversations with equestrian filmmakers, artists, and authors from around the world, discussing the nature and challenges, as well as the triumphs of creating their work. Ready to talk horses and film and the arts? Here's your host, Julianne Neal, along with Lisa Dearson, festival founder and director. Hi, this is Julianne. I'm so pleased to have the chance to share some of this year's content from the Equus Film and Arts Fest on the podcast episodes coming up over the next few weeks. Although we made a move to virtual in 2020, we still had amazing participation from our filmmakers, authors, and artists. So over our next few podcast episodes, you'll hear from our web chats, hosted by Diana DeRosa, Lisa DeMaisy, Carly Cade, Milt Toby, and myself. You'll hear web chats, panels, and more. Stay tuned, and we hope that you enjoy. Hi, this is Lisa Mae DeMacy with another Equus Film Festival web chat here with accomplished equestrian artist Jane Braithwaite. Welcome, Jane. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Nice to see you today. Jane, you began drawing and oil painting horses and riding as a young child, but stopped to pursue other interests and career paths. Can you tell us a little bit about those interests and the paths you took and what brought you back to the canvas? Um, nothing in particular brought me back from the canvas, to, to the canvas rather. Um, probably all those things you've mentioned took me away from the canvas. Um, I always wanted to pursue a, a career in art. I attended, um, I mean, I used to doodle horses' heads in the classroom. I didn't listen to my lessons. I used to pass my blotting paper around with a horse's head on to all my friends. And um, I always had a passion for horses and a passion for, for doodling. Um, and um, when I left uh, school at 18, I went to art college, in fact, for a year. And I, after a year, I became very disillusioned because there was a very strong, it was in the early 70s, and there was a very strong modernism influence, very strong in the 60s, um, still there. And the idea of, well, I was asked to paint a red square and a blue square and a purple background and write a five-page essay about it, how it made me feel, and it made me feel nothing. And um, I decided maybe I was just pursuing the wrong career in the wrong subject. Um, so my confidence was very dented actually when I left uh, art college after a year. I went into teacher training instead. I kept um, fine art and ceramics as my main subjects. I didn't paint for pleasure anymore. It, it really did upset me in my experience at art college. I carried on painting, uh, sorry, carried on teaching. I uh, competed horses, which I'd always had anyway. I had three or four horses. Um, I travelled up and down the country, I was competing in dressage and eventing, so I had a very busy life. I was working, I got married, I had a child, um, and so there was absolutely no time for me to paint at all. I'm one of these people who has to immerse themselves, well I do immerse myself in, in my painting every day. I'm up at um, first thing in the morning walking the dogs and then I'm in my studio. Thankfully for me now, my husband does the cooking, which is which is wonderful because I oh. come back from my studio, which is actually a glorified shed at the bottom of the garden, 
and um, my meal's ready, which is just fabulous. If anything interrupts my day, I lose my motivation. I find my mindset has gone, my groove has gone. And so it's important for me to be able to have some sort of continuity and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, so my plan, coming back to your question, had always been to return to my art when um, my circumstances allowed it. Um, and I'm glad I did it this way in a way because I've managed to do so many things in my life other than painting, mainly riding horses and keeping horses, but I've also skied and mountain biked and traveled a bit and done all sorts of things, which I may have found difficult as a struggling artist. Um, so yes, my long-term plan was to come back to painting. I came back to it very much more determined and, and assertive in what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve. Um, much thicker skin than I had been when I was 18 years old and was offended by all the things I was asked to do. <laughs> and I paint for myself um, and I always have done since I restarted. Um, and um, I, it wouldn't worry me if I never sold a painting, quite frankly, I would still paint. As things have turned out, I have sold a few paintings, so it's, it's been rewarding as well. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you, great answer. Uh, the breadth of your incredible body of work depicts a range from portrait, excuse me, portraits of horses seemingly posing alone and with humans to racing, polo, and eventing at large. Your media include oil and charcoal. Your festival entry is On the Nod, which depicts two horses running neck and neck down the stretch. Can you tell us about the inspiration and significance of this beautiful piece? Yes, well, first of all, let me mention that oil paint is my very favorite medium. I just love the gloopy quality of it. I love using charcoal as well, like the messiness of it. And it actually, I have a tendency, as many artists do, to become a bit tight in the work. And uh, both mediums allow me to, to be a little bit freer, particularly the charcoal. But the, the gloopy nature of, of um, oil, I've always loved. Um, I've, I've always loved racing. The On the Nod painting takes place at a race course in North Yorkshire, Catterick race course. Um, and I have a friend, uh, Louise Pollard, who um, she's a professional photographer for that course, in fact. And she very kindly allows me to use her website. If I see something that inspires me, she, she's very happy for me to to paint it. It's like opening up her, her website is a li- little bit like going to a sweetie shop, you know, it's wow. <laughs> which, one, you know, which one shall I paint? And um, I, I love it. And that particular uh, photograph, when I saw it, I, I could see it had possibilities. Um, you never see a photograph that, that does everything or says everything what you just need is a glimmer of something that that gives that moment in time that fleeting moment that you want to capture and i saw it in in this particular photograph and um i exaggerated some aspects of it i um i pulled out what i wanted to pull out and left alone some other things i was i'm never completely pleased with with um my what i achieve um a painting is finished when it's finished and it's it has a lifespan as it were and once you finish something I don't know what fizzles out whether it's your motivation or 
whatever but sometimes you just wish you'd done things differently and it's a bit too late to actually go back and, and change things this particular painting i was reasonably pleased with um i'd managed to combine warm and cool colors to create different effects in the background um create an atmosphere i, I think i created a moment in time that was caught um forever um i was pleased with um the fact I managed to keep my application of the paint fairly loose, which as I mentioned before, can be something I, I tighten up with sometimes. Um, <coughs> so yes, I was, I was quite pleased with that particular painting. Um, it was, yes, yes, I, I don't know what else I can say about it really. <laughs> I mean, I always choose whatever painting I do, I, I choose something to, to pull out of it. There's always got to be that special moment though, that magical moment that catches the eye, that, that speaks to me i hope it speaks mm -hmm. to other people as well <laughs> oh it's beautiful um Thank you. is there anything else you'd like to know for for our audience to know about your work i mean you uh, did go into detail you explained a lot of you know your perspective on things which was very helpful mm, uh, um i my work is my passion and, and i i don't want to get let people think that i i'm just sort of go along my own trail as it were and, and do my own thing which i do i'm hungry to learn all the time i'm i want to know about different techniques and different artists and maybe incorporate some different things into my work i'd say one of the the most important things that um i've discovered <coughs> over the last two or three years is the the um, benefit of painting from life, painting horses from life. I'm actually quite heavily involved now with the Society of Equestrian Artists over here in, in UK and um, I organise quite a few um, workshops on behalf of the Society and we we have uh, we organise, we, we'll go to say a Clydesdale farm or we'll go to a, to a dressage stables or a race stable and we arranged to have a horse held for us for a couple of hours and we we actually paint sit around in a circle and paint that horse from life wow. and it's amazing the colors in the shadows in the in the coat that you don't see on a photograph you learn so much from studying from from life mm -hmm. um <coughs> excuse me i'm losing my voice now um other than that um not really no i mean i i I mean, bearing in mind my story, I would say very strongly to anybody out there who is no longer in their, 18, in their, in their teenage years or 20s, that it really is not too late to, to have a go at any point in your life, you know, just go for it, which is what I did. And I was very pleasantly surprised. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, where can folks contact you to learn more about your work? Well, I have um, a website, um, janebraithwaitefineart.com. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as Jane Braith. Um, I have a Facebook, well, actually, I have two Facebook pages. I have a personal page, which I tend to use all the time for all my artwork. And I have a professional page as well, which I'm, I don't keep up with very well, I'm afraid. <laughs> so if people want to look at my Facebook page, they need to go to my personal page. Okay. Excellent. Uh, any last words for our festival audience before we sign off? Well, I hope you all have a wonderful festival. I hope 
you have hear some very interesting and see some very interesting Zoom interviews. Um, just have a go. You know, if you haven't painted before, have a go at it. Uh, if you have, keep on go keep trying, keep going. Um, it's what gets me through the day, to be honest, particularly in these times. It's what gets me through yeah. the day. Yeah. What gets me up in the morning is painting. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's really great. Thank you, Jane, for participating in the festival and taking the time to talk to us today. Okay. Thank you very much, Lisa. This episode of the Equus Film and Arts Fest podcast is sponsored in part by Nature's View, The Marley Project, and JA Media Productions. To learn more about what we do, visit naturesview.us. I'm Julianne Neal, and I'm so excited to be speaking today with one of our new Equus authors, Abriana Johnson. Abriana is in the festival for the first time, and so welcome to the Equus Film and Arts Fest. We're so happy to have you, Abriana. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, I, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your project. Cowgirl Cameron sounds like a phenomenal little character, and she is in a story called The Great Escape. Could you tell us a little bit about this project and about Cowgirl Cameron? Yeah, so Cowgirl Cameron is kind of like my my child. <laughs> a lot of people ask if it's me, but it's not. It's um, just a little girl that's on a lifetime full of adventures. Um, she has her horses and or her horse and her her miniature donkey and alpaca, and she just is going through life and taking care of them and just showing kids, you know, a side of of agriculture and farm life and horse husbandry that doesn't require kind of a historical aspect of it as a character of color. Um, she's just having adventures and, you know, getting into trouble and having to do things that horse people do when they have animals. So. Absolutely. And I have a feeling I know a little bit about one of the other characters in this story, but yes, Encore is the miniature horse and he got incorporated into the story because he's he exists in real life. So oh. I thought it was cool when I was taking or going out to read to kids to be able to bring him with me. And, you know, I, I get done with my story and I'm like, you know, as long as you guys are listening and as long as you're, you know, asking good questions, I have a surprise for you. And then at the end, Encore comes out of the mini mobile and they get to pet him and experience him in real life. So is the real life Encore as mischievous and is he an escape artist as well? So you have to watch him. Um, He does get into trouble sometimes, but he is a really good mini. Like I was really lucky oh. with when I got him. I know a couple of people with minis and it does sound like some of them can be a little bit mischievous. So I just wondered if Encore was the same. So I have to ask, what has been the most rewarding part about this project for you? The most rewarding part about Cowgirl Cameron is really just looking into the faces of the kids that read the books and see how they like start to what's possible and what they are capable of um you know they're they're not used to seeing themselves placed you know in an agricultural setting or with animals you know so their imagination goes farther i don't want kids to have to imagine 
having animals, you know, because that's, that's a very real and tangible. So I want to put into reality what I had in my imagination so the kids of today can imagine much farther than that. That's wonderful. I live in a rural area and our, a lot of my students don't have animals. And it's, it's surprising. You would think that they would and that they'd be around it all the time. But some of them are pretty far removed and they're used to being on an iPad all the time and not used to being outside with, with animals at all. So I think, I think your books are wonderful. Absolutely. So if somebody wanted to find out a little bit more, what, where could they find you online? Yeah, so you can find me um, on Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias. My handle is the Abriana J T H E A B R I A N A and the letter J. And then you can follow Cowgirl Cameron. The website is under construction, but it's cowgirlcameron.com and it's C A M R Y N for Cameron's name. So you can sign up for my newsletter there and get updates. I just signed up myself, so I can't wait to find out what happens next. And do you have plans for Cameron to do any more, have any more adventures? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I have an entire like series of books in my brain. I just have to get it out because I do author and illustrate the books. So the writing is the easy part. The illustrating is what takes so much longer. Well, thank you for sharing the books with us in the festival. And mm -hmm. I know we have more to look forward to in the future. And thank you for speaking with me today, Abriana. It's been great to meet you. Nice meeting you too. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Diana DeRosa, and I am speaking with Banu Ramazanova, who comes from Kazakhstan and is the director of the documentary Over the Barriers. So an interesting subject because I love it because I've covered eight Olympic games and I wanna see your country at the Olympic games. So tell me why you chose this subject. Well, um, the first, cause I wasn't very familiar myself with the equestrian sport, but I always heard that we had um, one stallion that was part of three Olympic games and we, pride ourselves as being nomadic country, but uh, not knowing our history kind of uh, set me onto this journey about finding the journey of Absent who won the gold Olympic gold in 1960s in the Rome Olympic games. And then he went to Mexico and won, won bronze. And then I think he was at Tokyo Olympics. So he actually he had a pretty decent, pretty good Olympic career for a stallion. So, and I wanted to know about what is happening right now with the classical equestrian sport. And do we have it? Is there people out there working in this um, sport? So it was like a journey for me and to let know the audience in Kazakhstan that we actually do have uh, this kind of sport that was beautiful. I was in awe. And so that's how we made the Over the Barriers. I loved the idea of you doing all this and letting people be aware of what you have in your country as far as horse sports and really some good talent. So now that you look back at this pretty long process, it's over an hour, the film, what really stands out for you? What are you most proud of? Uh, 
first of all, it's my crew because uh, part uh, like we went to this journey from like we started in December of um, 2018 and we finished in November of 2019, which is like a pretty good amount of film that we've been shooting. And we traveled to Russia, to Uzbekistan, to Kyrgyzstan, to Kazakhstan to cover all that. And the crew was uh, such a support for me, like every step of the way they were like, we're behind you. We're still making this film because we people need to see this film. So uh, looking back and uh, actually the community of uh, uh, equestrian sports or horsemen back in, in Kazakhstan is is very supportive so we were like we want to shoot um this uh, uh, like uh world games and they're like of course come in like we need to put camera here he's like no way we'll find a way to help you to shoot like uh, the way you want which is like the community and the crew was like the most amazing and uh, the things that we could travel to Uzbekistan and Russia and see how Russia represents and how they like have their world games is like something very fantastic. And like, we want to have that kind of uh, like, uh, uh, what is the word? Like uh, how they moved on uh, the classical sport. I want to have it here in Kazakhstan. Well, fabulous. Well done. So now that people have seen the film, what are you hoping that they take away from it? Well, uh, the most uh, important for me is like, uh, I think I do love the festivals and do love the how people are sympathizing or empathizing with our film. But I think uh, the government of our Kazakhstan needs to see that because they have the power to move uh, forward the sport because um, in the last three years, it was lacking the fan funding from the government and they need to see, they need to support uh, a sport that been like for centuries here. And we have, we do have a gold medal, but we, but it was in like 1960s. We need now, we need to like, to make it happen in the real world and like today. So I think I want people to see it and to be able to help the community that I'm so like in love with right now to help them to have the funding, to able to have a world games because in the last four years, Kazakhstan couldn't hold the world games, which was, was like very problematic for our uh, community of equestrian sports here. So I, I think in a way it needs to open eyes for our government and investors, maybe sponsors out here. Well, I applaud you, uh, Banu, uh, fabulous job. And I think it's great that so many people are gonna be able to see this. So if people wanna follow up, do you have a website or some information you can give them that they can contact you? And do you have any last words you'd like to say before we sign off? Uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter uh, or on Instagram. You can find me through my uh, name and surname, which is like Banu Ramazanova. You can find me on Facebook and hit it up. The last words is like, I'm so glad that this festival is happening, even it's online, it's such a, to be able, as a film community back in Kazakhstan, as like, like a sports right now, it's lacking. And in the world, there is no festivals, which is like the best part of uh, filming. It's like to travel, it's like, I wish I could travel to America and be myself there, but 
was uh, this quarantine and COVID-9, oh, God. And still that you have this festival and reaching out for us is like the best part of the festival that we could be somehow part of it still and see stuff, I guess, which is like fantastic. And thank you festival for reaching out for us and making us a part of the festival. Well, so exciting for me to be able to speak to you, Benu, all the way in Kazakhstan. I mean, that's really fabulous. The fact that we can do this virtual is actually an added bonus to the pandemic in a way because, yes. you know, we sort of went virtual now. And so more people are going to be able to see your film. And one day, maybe you will come to America. Oh, so thank yes. you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Please be sure to tune in next week when Julianne and I have another interesting conversation with one of our Equus Film and Arts Fest filmmakers, artists, or authors. 